Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's actually amazing for me, um, you know. I just want to turn this way to um, give a shout-out to my teammates and the management staff for great words of encouragement. Not having a, a good tool to bowl with, but I just go through that phrase and that pain, you know, knowing that I want to do this for my team and, you know, my country and everyone in the Caribbean. You said to us earlier you weren't even ready to come to the ground today. You didn't know that you could bowl. What did it take? Oh, well, where's Dr. Byam? <laughs> yeah, he called me this morning. You know, I was in my bed yeah, after 11. The bus leaving at 12.15. Uh, he asked me how I'm feeling. I say not well, really pain and all these things. So he say, come to the ground. I have a reason. I didn't know this was the reason, but it's, a, it's for a good reason. You know, to win the test match for your team. You know, I must shout out to him for keep believing in me. And you know what, uh, my, what my ability is capable of. So... You know, I'm really happy that he actually got me here today and that I, I did well for my team once again. Well, that was West Indies emerging star Shamar Joseph talking at the official presentation after the West Indies stole the test match at the Gabba, a famous victory for the West Indies. And young Shamar Joseph was the star, taking seven for 68. What a performance. He took seven of the last eight wickets. And it's an incredible story. We all saw the scenes on the third day where he hobbled off after being hit on the toe by Mitchell Stark. It seemed unlikely we'd even see him bowl today. He, in fact, said in interviews after play that he didn't think he was even going to come to the ground today. But then he's brought into the action. He's brought into the game with Australia seemingly cruising at 2 for 113. Just 103 more needed for the victory with eight wickets in hand. It seemed like Australia was going to get the, the win and... Win all five test matches of the summer, but then Shamar Joseph intervened and he hit a double blow. He hit Cameron Green, he dismissed Cameron Green, and then Travis Head in consecutive deliveries. And then that started the, the, the bit of the it started the wobbles for Australia. And, and we've seen it happen so often before in test matches in these fourth innings chases. If you can get a few wickets, you can 
uh, send the shivers through the opposition. And that's what the West Indies did, led by young Shamar Joseph. The West Indies won by eight runs. Just incredible. And uh, let me just talk about that Cameron Green dismissal because I think that was, you know, the, not the, the, the turning point, but, you know, Joseph ran in, you know, basically on one foot, his toe broken. But actually, they don't know if it's fractured, but um, he ran in and he put his back into the delivery, got a bit of extra bounce, it uh, rose up on Cameron Green, who's seven foot tall, and hit his back elbow and then went on to the stumps. So that extra effort from Joseph, hitting the pitch hard, extracted the wicket, and then he got Travis Head bowled first delivery with an absolute corker, a beautiful in-swing yorker to the left-hander. And that had Australia um, four for 113 and just completely changed the momentum of the game. And let's put this win into context. I'll get into more of the details of the day's play, but let's put this win into context. The West Indies haven't won a test match in Australia since 1997. That's 27 years ago. You know, I had a look at that team. Mark Taylor was playing for Australia. Brian Lara was playing for the West Indies. Carl Hooper was playing for the West Indies. I mean, it was so long ago. I mean, I remember that 96-7 series. Australia won at 3-2. And the West Indies won the last test match of the series at the Wacker on a, a pitch doing some funny tricks, keeping up and down. So it's been that long since they've won a test match. You know, half half this team for the West Indies weren't even born then. So that's winning in Australia. Then they actually haven't beaten Australia in a test match anywhere since 2003. So 20 test matches that... 20 test matches ago, that is, 21 years ago. And that victory, they chased down over 400 in the fourth innings to win the game. So it was a famous victory back then. But, you know, that just put it, puts into context how important this win was. And then when you look at it, this team was written off by from all corners of the cricketing world. It seemed like they weren't going to be competitive. People were disappointed the West Indies were coming here two summers in a row. And they have put on an absolute show. Even though they lost the Adelaide test, there were some bright spots there. But they've come to the Gabba and led by Shamar Joseph have just bowled superbly. And also Alzari Joseph was excellent with the ball, I thought, in this match. But just such a phenomenal performance. And, you know, backs to the wall stuff. And the, the skipper from the West Indies, Craig Brathwaite, was talking um, at the official presentation. And he called out Rodney Hogg, who said this West Indies team were pathetic, I think the words were. And, um, yeah, Craig Brathwaite asked Hogg um, if he still thought they were pathetic or something like that. You, you don't often hear um, opposition uh, team players call out people from the media in such an overt manner. And uh, he said it inspired them. Brathwaite said those words and being written off inspired the team to put in a huge effort. And, and uh, funny thing is, Rodney Hogg is not... I think a big media personality in Australia. Like I don't think, I don't think his headlines really register in the mainstream. But you know, it's a very successful Test cricketer and uh, entertaining character, Hoggy, and played a lot against the West Indies in the eighties when they were at their pomp. And I'm sure after the misery that they put him through, having to face their quicks, I'm sure he enjoyed giving a bit back and calling this team pathetic. Well. 
the the skipper Craig Brathwaite did not miss. And um, but yeah, th- this is a story for the ages. You know, this is what Test cricket needs. So the series ends one all. Australia win four Tests of the summer, lose one, but they retain the Frank Worrell Trophy because they held it. Let's look at the day's play. So. Australia started with Green and Smith at the crease, and they batted pretty well. As I said, they got the score from um, 2 for 60 overnight to 3 for 113. Green was on 42 at this stage. And then uh, he got dismissed, as I explained before, Joseph, who came. So Joseph had been off the field until this point. He comes out there. He has to wait a little while before he can bowl. And then he gets seven of the next eight wickets, starting with Green and Head. So that took two wickets. Then Mitchell Marsh came to the crease and he got to 10 of 12 deliveries. And he was caught by... He edged one into the cordon, again off Shamar Joseph for 10. So that left Australia 5 for 132. And then two overs later, Alex Carey was bowled by Shamar Joseph, a ball angling into the left hand and getting between the gap between bat and pad. And Carey was bowled for six... Sorry, for two. So Australia had been... Three, two for 113 and all of a sudden six for 136 they lost four for 23 in that spell from joseph and it was phenomenal to watch bowling quick running in even though when he was not bowling he was hobbling around the outfield this was inspiring stuff so at this stage joseph had four wickets then mitchell stark comes to the crease and he actually starts to find the boundary so he hits 21 of 14 deliveries And you're thinking, maybe Stark can do this for Australia. But then Joseph got him. Stark tried to hit one over the top and just ballooned into the offside. He was out for 21. And that was Joseph's fifth wicket. And at this point, he he gets down on his knees and he's he's crying and he's emotional. And he was asked after what were the tears about. Was it because he was in so much pain? But he said it was just... uh, tears of joy that you know the team was humming towards a victory and you could just tell how much it meant to not just Joseph but this whole West Indies side to make this history to be the first team to win a test match in Australia since 1997 so Stark was out for 21 that left the score seven for 171 and all this while Steve Smith is at the other end playing a beautiful innings. He ended up being 91 not out with nine fours and one six. And he he carried his bat right throughout the innings. The first time an Aussie player has done that since David Warner did it against New Zealand in, I think, 2011 it was. So Smith, as opener, he's passed the first test and he almost got Australia home. Pat Cummins joined um, Stark at the cre- uh, replaced Stark at the crease, and then he was caught behind off Joseph for two, just feathered one through to the keeper. So Australia was eight for one seventy-five, and then it was due to be lunchtime at the Gabba and the, the forty-minute break. But because there was a result possible and with clouds around, the umpires decided to stay out there for another four overs. Or I think it was five, four overs or fifteen minutes. Had to be a minimum of four overs. So they stayed out there, and Lyon and Smith survived till the lunch break. So Australia went to lunch. They went to lunch with two wickets in hand, and the West Indies, you know, they would have had a nervous lunch because they would have been thinking, oh, uh, you know, can we get these last two wickets? Um, and Australia, likewise, you know, it would have been a long 40-minute break um, for both those teams. <laughs> Um, with the match on a knife edge. So they come out after lunch 
And after lunch, Australia were eight for 187 when they came out. So they needed another 29 runs in the with two wickets in hand. And then Lyon was out a swinging across the line to Aljari Joseph. He was caught behind off for nine. So that made it score nine for 191. So Australia still needed another 25 for the victory with number 11 Josh Hazelwood striding to the crease. And it seemed like Smith might be able to do it. He he flicked a, a ball over a fine leg for six at one stage. He was working the ball around nicely. He was basically facing the first four balls of the over and then getting a single and leaving Hazelwood just to try and survive two. So they got the score from nine for 191 to 207 for 10. So just nine needed there for the victory. And then um, jo- Hazelwood had to survive two balls from Joseph. But Joseph cannoned one into off stump, beat Hazelwood's defence, and Australia was all out for 207, losing by eight runs. Just magic, magic scenes. Joseph, when he took the last wicket, ran to the boundary, like uh, incredible celebration. And, and, and you know, what I liked about this um, performance from the West Indies, that this was like the West Indies of old when you had a, a quick bowler you know, Joseph, I guess, probably more like a Malcolm Marshall than a Kirtley Ambrose or a Courtney Walsh. But, you know, you had Joseph just steaming in, under pain, um, bowling quick, hitting the pitch hard. And, um, yeah, just phenomenal stuff. So Steve Smith not out 91. Cameron Green, the second top score with 42. And then you have to go down to Mitchell Stark with uh, 21. So Australia went from 2 for 113 to be all out for 207. So they lost uh, eight for 94 in the end there. And, uh, yeah, the West Indies with a famous win. So um, Shamar Joseph was named player of the match and the series. He took 13 wickets at 17 in the series. And, and there's no doubt he deserved these accolades. I mean, what a performance. A 50 and five wickets in the first test on debut. And now seven for 68 in a, in a match-winning effort. And... Yeah, brilliant scenes. There was um, Ian Bishop, caught, uh, Carl Hooper and Brian Lara all there commentating. And, you know, for them, this would have just been so magical to think that, to, to, you know, to think, I mean, there'll be people my age and older who remember how good the West Indies were, how much they used to torment us. I mean, it was miserable watching them at times because their fastballs were so good that we couldn't score any runs. And then their batters, you know, with that Calypso swagger, Greenwich, Hange, Richardson, Viv Richards, Lara, used to just get going and spank our bowling all over the place. You know, it felt like we would never beat them. And then when we did beat them in 1995, if you'd said to me, you know, they're going to win three test matches, and I think that's what it is. I think they won two in that 96-7 series. Actually, they won two in 99 so they've literally won six test matches in the last 25 years against Australia. Almost 30 years, in fact. Six test matches in 29 years. So if you said to me that when Taylor took that catch off Warren to re- regain the Frank Worrell Trophy for the first time in 20 years in 1995, I wouldn't have believed you. So that just um, puts into context you know, how, how miserable it's been for West Indies cricket and I guess how much it means to them to get this win. Right, but now looking at Australia, I mean, this win um, 
this loss for them scuppered their chances of winning all five test matches the summer. Also means a drawn series, and it also is World Test Championship points out the window now. So let's have a listen to Pat Cummins at the official presentation. Yeah, it's, it's cricket, isn't it? You know, someone puts on a partnership and all you need to do is get that breakthrough and obviously starting innings is always when you're at your most vulnerable and, um, you know, as I said, Shamal was outstanding. He's always very magnanimous, isn't he, Pat Cummins? And he, he paid appropriate tribute to the West Indies there. But, but I do think, you know, this is a significant loss for Australia. It's the first ever day-night test loss for Australia. So our um, perfect record in pink ball cricket is now over. But I guess there would be questions, uh, look, very early questions over this new look batting lineup. You know, if you look at this series, Manus Labuschagne, just 19 runs in the two test matches, Mitchell Marsh, 36 runs in the two test matches, and Cameron Green, 64 runs in the two test matches. So half the batting order really struggled in this series. And, you know, is Green at four and Smith the opener the way? The, the way to go. I think Smith's proven himself as an opener. I like him there. But I guess, you know, is Cameron Green the right number four for this team? I think it's too early to tell, but one thing's for sure is losses mean the microscope is on the team a lot more. And I guess Cameron Green and Marnus Labuschagne are the two you probably think uh, would be in the microscope. You know, Labuschagne's summer with the bat in the taking in the series against Pakistan, 226 runs at an average of 28.25 with a high score of 63. So when your number three is regularly missing out, that's going to destabilise your batting lineup. But, but I think sort of reflecting on the summer for Australia, it's overall been very successful. They won the first four test matches and they were pushed at different times. But, but I think, and I sort of mentioned it before the summer, I think it was overblown how weak the summer was going to be. That, uh, Especially Pakistan, I thought they had some real talent in there, and we saw it at times. But even this West Indies side, that I didn't expect them to probably win a test match, but they showed something, and um, they were only here last summer, so that experience that some of the players had might have helped them. But, yeah, and I thought it was... I think it was also overblown how good we are. Like I think the achievements of 2023 are in totality, you know, the one-day World Cup, um, the test the test match wins in, in England. But there's still, you know, weak points in the Australian team. Um, and the West Indies exposed it today with some brilliant bowling. And, yeah, so I think there won't be, you know, very... I don't think the recriminations will be too bad for Australia, but I think it's certainly put this batting order on notice. I guess that's the best way to put it. I think this batting order is now on notice. So they they lost this... They didn't win this series, and now they'll go to New Zealand with its untested batting order, looking to win in New Zealand away against a spirited Kiwi side. So I think you see Smith and Kawaja have settled in up the top. Manus... He will need to score some runs in that series. Otherwise, they they might have to send him back to Shield Cricket just to fix a technical chink. They pointed out on the Fox coverage that he seems to be coming across the ball um, when he's de- defending, um, especially off the back foot. So perhaps he needs to go back and work on that. And then Cameron Green, he's looked very tentative at number four, very tentative. And uh, I think he is a very good player. 
and I really rate him. But he does need to work on, especially early at the crease, he can be a bit, as I said yesterday, leaden-footed and he just prop forward. So there's some work to do. And look, I'm not going to bag Travis Head because he's, he's had a wonderful year. Um, but he got two first ball ducks in this Gabba test match. And I think there was two other Australians, this is from Rick Finlay, that have done that. Adam Gilchrist against India in 2001 and Ryan Harris. I don't know when that was. So not a good club to be a part of for Travis Head. So, yes, I think mild recriminations for the Aussies, a disappointing loss. I don't think they were complacent. I don't think, yeah, I don't think, I don't think we should be like bagging them too much because we want competitive test matches. We want teams to come here and compete. And we saw an outstanding performance from this West Indies side. It was inspiring stuff. It was truly memorable to watch. So you can't, you know, Australians would love every summer that the team is competitive, but Australia wins. Well, we got four brilliant wins for Australia this summer and then the West Indies with something that will go into the history books and just adds so much spice now to the next time Australia plays the West Indies. And, uh, yeah, love to see it. So, yeah, I, I think overall, you know, a good summer, a test summer for the Australians. We're going to record a full review and I'll, I'll get into the, the stats of the test summer um, but the, I'll get into the stat, full stats of the text summer when we do the full show. But in the end, Australia have been beaten in the final test of the summer at the Gabba. The West Indies win by eight runs. Their first win in Australia since 1997. Their first win against Australia in 20 years. This is a day that West Indies cricket fans will never forget, so congratulations to them. You've been listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menas, and I'll be back with a full podcast this week, and we'll get into all the other cricket news, including an equally famous win today by the South African women's cricket team who beat Australia for the first time in white ball cricket. So history was made today twice, not the sort of history that both these Australian cricket teams would want to be a part of, but... It's good for the game, and if it's good for the game, I'm happy. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply